There are tears on my pillow that won't dry on the road beyond my ears. I've no sorrow, but today I don't walk alone. Welcome to the Fort Lauderdale Primary Primary Purpose Big Book Studies Group, Thursday Night's Alcoholics and God, Speaker Step Series. Let's have our joke now. Jokester, here for another joke for you. This joke is um, was sent to us by a viewer, but out of respect for people in the fellowship, I'm going to keep this anonymous, but you know who you are. huh? Anyway, and we love you here. All right. Um... All right, so a, a large brown bear walks into a bar and says to the bartender, I'd like a whiskey and Coke. Why the big paws, the bartender asked. And the bear said, I don't know. I was just born with them. <laughs> hey, thank you. I'm a recovered al- alcoholic. My name is Zach. Hey, Zach. Nice to meet you all. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight. In a minute, we're going to start our two-minute meditation, so please take a moment to get situated. Please turn off all devices that make noise that might slash will distract others. Take this time to get connected to God. Let the craziness of the day drift away and ask God to help you stay focused on the step study tonight. Is everybody ready? Good. So let's start the meditation.
God, let your love shine through me like a fog light, so that who's lost, sick, and dying can find your love through me. Amen. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. Um, I've asked Chelsea to read Appendix 2, Spiritual Experience. We read this because the main purpose of the 12 steps is to have one. So it is kind of important to know what one is. Chelsea Alcoholic um, Spiritual Experience. The term spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which upon careful reading shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is er, er, it. I don't know. Thanks, guys. In the, in the first chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations through frequent and are, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the edu educational variety because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often... Friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally, realizes, he finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few expectation exceptions our <laughs> our members find that they have tapped an unexpected inner resource which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves most of us think that this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of a spiritual experience our more religious members call it god consciousness most Emphatically, we wish to say that an alcoholic capable of honest facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one need the difficulty with the spirituality of the program willingness honesty and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery but these are indispensable 
There is a principle, which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is concept prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer. Thank you, Chelsea. Um, all right. So, um, please refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. This is a tech-free meeting, so set your phones to airplane uh, slash meeting mode or just turn it off. I'm going to introduce our speaker now, uh, Joey B. Come get it. Oh, thank you, everybody. My name is Joe Bear. I'm an alcoholic, and uh, it's great to be here. Uh, second meeting tonight in the series, and Michael, thank you again for this honor and privilege to be able to share this with you. Um, last week we talked about a lot of the features of alcoholism and uh, the devastating effects that it has on us. I'm going to start out just by telling you a little bit about how I usually go for the, you know, through the day trying to prepare for something like this because for me, as in anything that I want to be productive at, I, I, have, to, I have to intentionally prepare and um, clear my, my mind, my heart, and my soul of the things that are pulling me or luring me away into away from the power source. And uh, so I had intentions today of you know spending I guess from about four o'clock on and playing some music and sitting back and relaxing and thinking and reflecting and reading some material and uh, lo and behold the curveball came <laughs> it always does if you really want to get upset just go out the door in the morning with a bunch of expectations it just does not work because those those expectations are you know primarily concerned with self, and uh, God has always given me reminders to focus back up and um, focus out oh, out of here. I've always said that the mind's a terrible thing to use sometimes, and if you really want to get neurotic, you can spend about fifteen minutes thinking only of yourself and your life, and. Um, so four o'clock, four four fifteen, and all of a sudden, uh, someone appears and they're intoxicated. And I've known this person for you know quite a few months. And great guy, hard you know, real good heart, real uh, hungry for this thing, and a different experience. Had a rough life like all of us have, a lot of struggle. And uh, the problem, the prop, what happened was he came up and he was pretty lit. He was uh, pretty intoxicated, and that condition started to deteriorate. And I tried to be the person that I would hope God would want me to be. And um, so I tried to be calm, cool and collected, talk about the facts, what, you know, what, what are his options, what we can do to help. And uh, slowly, as things started to deteriorate in his condition, uh, he started getting belligerent and hostile, and victim is you know the the whole victim thing came up and negative and you know, cursing and all this stuff, so it immediately puts me on the defensive. It's like this isn't part of the plan, you know, but that was my expectation. I was hoping the way I presented it was 
The problem is, is I assume the power to make that situation better. It doesn't work like that. I can only make things worse. And um, so anyway, I, I, uh, that's, and that went on till about 6 o'clock. And I was supposed to be here. I'd like to get here about quarter of. And um, so it ended up with police being called and all this kind of mess. And uh, I was pretty much consumed with it. And listen, if you're a real alcoholic and you begin to sponsor people and you, know, you start to help people, there's going to be disappointment. There's going to be alcohol that will stare you right down your throat, right? I mean, they're faced, I mean there's a lot of stuff uh, that can happen once alcohol is ingested. And um, I realized after a period of time, after trying to argue, after trying to overcome the defensiveness that I was powerless. I did not have the power to make an impact on alcohol because it was alcohol speak, alcohol actions, just like I used to be. And um, on the way here, you know, everything got settled. And when I got into the parking lot outside, I just asked Will to step out for a minute. And I was thinking and I was asking God to please reveal himself to me. That's one of my many prayers. And, uh, you, you know, and, and what, it's amazing that he, since I began seeking this relationship with him, he has revealed himself to me. And I think he does it to everybody that's sincere and earnest and really wants to have God indwell them, right? And after about five minutes, all I, I just could think of nothing else but, Joe, I got this, man. Not Joe, you got this. <laughs> no. I got this. That's what was revealed to me. So we're talking about this transition of knowledge. The, you know, the first, uh, the first step is really contained within the pages of the doctor's opinion in chapter 3, more about alcoholism. And the argument for the need of power is, is what we're going to talk about tonight. But just to reflect just a hair on, on last week, we, we really talked about the physical and mental thing. And... Um, some people have called it a threefold disease. I call it a twofold disease that manifests itself in a third condition, which is spiritual bankruptcy. Should you have had it in the first place prior, right? Um, and Dr. Silkworth goes into great detail on theory and phenomenon, unexplained occurrences within our body. That absolutely became fact later down the road when we were able to address this thing as a disease and we're able to do clinical testing and clinical trials and things of that nature and really have the medical society put us under a microscope internally, physiologically, and externally, we see that all the theory, everything that Dr. Silkworth said was absolutely true. Theory became fact. Phenomenon became fact. And, uh, so we, we're faced with those two pieces of information. What are they? Well, Dr. Silkworth, in his experience, <laughs> he saw a lot of us. They say upwards of 40,000, maybe more, in his tenure at Towns. At towns. And, uh, you know, he says he came to some conclusions. He, and he, he started to see things about the, 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 the alcoholic and then the detox method and then when they went back into, into their lives. And uh, he noticed things about us. And 
he noticed that regardless of how well he had gotten his son drunk through the detox method, that we, most of us, would go back into our lives and for reasons they say yet obscure, right? Something happens where they think prior to an important situation or an important part of their life that uh, they, they take a drink to relax and then they end up back in detox, right? So in and out, in and out. I like to think some, some people engaged in, 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 in the rooms or that are in our fellowship that you, know, you hear them talk about this detox, retox mode. Right? Detox, retox is something that I did for 16 years. I came in and out of this program, homeless most of the time. And when I wasn't homeless, I was in a halfway house or a detox or jail or treatment. Right? And I would do nothing to change my view. To, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't learn anything. Right? I just played the part of attendance. And if my mechanics and attendance was good, it would spell, the, it would spell I'm going to have what they're talking about. And I really didn't even know what that was. Right? I, I don't think I ever heard the words entire psychic change. Um, but that's a, uh, so that's, that was my deal. And I was in that detox, retox mode. So I would come in and I would detox. I would get undrunk and I would get a job and I'd get a little girlfriend. I'd get things, you know, maybe a little bit more trust back from my family where they would invite me over. Still hiding everything, of course, and scrambling to make sure it was Joe proof. And, uh, then, you know, three months down the line, six months down the line, when everything was on an upward trajectory that I considered important, thing came into my mind and said, man, you know, it wasn't that bad. Right? The obsessive lie. This conversational lie I would have all by myself. I wouldn't tell anybody else about it. I would have it all by myself. My, my sponsor, John, at the time, God rest his soul, he would say, that's consulting with the idiot. One half's selling, the other half's buying, and the other half convinces you of certain things. Like, it won't hurt me this time. Like, nobody will know. This is what I'm telling myself. Nobody will know. Right? I would have all these idiotic lies. If you told anybody that had any sense, they'd say, man, really? Based on your evidence, based on the evidence of your life, you could in your skin on a perfectly clear day say, you know what? It wasn't that bad. How do you forget that? That's exactly what our dilemma is. That's the lack of power. We can't remember what it did to us. All we can remember is what it did for us. When you have an alcoholic mind, when I had an alcoholic mind, when I had when I got up against it, when I was pressure, felt pressure or stress or uncomfortability or restlessness or irritability, right? My mind would automatically recall what booze and drugs did for me rather than what it did to me. Normal people don't have that happen, right? Can I get a drink of water? You got, uh, I know. I, water, yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you. Uh, so why was I having this inability to stay stopped, right? I mean, that clearly was the question. It wasn't a matter of stopping. I mean, I've been stopped many times. Cops, you know, whatever, right? And I would get mandatory stopped in lockdown. 
problem was is I couldn't stay stopped because I had a mind that could lie to me, literally lie to me, and delude me of any truth simply because I had to medicate this internal condition. We talked about it last week. What is an internal condition? Well, normally, it's not consumed with all the things that my mind was consumed of, right? My, my internal condition, thank you, was experiencing symptoms, thanks, experiencing symptoms of the damaging effects that I knew I did to my family, of the liar that I had become, of the deceiver and manipulator that I had become the masquerader and imposter that I had become, even in my closest family. I knew I kept that hidden truth just by them saying, hey, hey, Joe, how you doing? Like I'd be in halfway uh, a month. And I, I mean, I got a job, I'm making money, I'm feeling better. They'd say, how you, mom would say, how you doing, honey? And I'd say, great. I wasn't doing great. Maybe to the outside I was doing better. But inside, I was still dying. I was dying of these symptoms that that behavior, the things that I did to other people, that resulted in these internal ingredients called shame, regret, remorse, feeling like a loser. Sure, you knew it. Feeling like a failure. Absolutely certain everybody looked at me as a failure. Because, I mean, a detox, retox, I mean, in and out and in and out of hundred times. Yeah, I'm going to do great. Yeah, I'm doing much better. Building her trust up. And then literally cutting their legs out from under her. Right? Because they love me. The reason they were so affected and it dominated their life and changed their life and, and, and so forth was because of how much they love me. My mom never lost faith. She knows what God can do. And she knew the possibilities that I could experience if I could just change my direction in the approach to this mental and emotional nightmare. The body's certain, man. We're going to have the allergy till the day we die. We put it in, we're not going to be able to stop or moderate, period. That's just the way it is. I don't need, I don't need to hear somebody else say that that's my problem. right? I have a 25-mile-high pile of evidence that screams, this is going to happen? Absolutely. Factual, right? It's not, a, it's not a, a myth or a theory. It's based on evidence. It's based on truth and facts. I'm entitled to an opinion, but I'm not entitled to change the facts. They are what they are, and they knew them, right? So these things, in turn, these lovely ingredients that I'm walking around with and harboring and let festering and cultivating for decades was driving me to the lie, the inconsequential, stupid lie, where I would say, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Nobody will know. Or, you know, I'll just do a little bit today, and I won't do anything tonight, and then a little tomorrow. I'll just, you know what? Uh, I'll just have that wine. I won't. And believe it. It was enough for me. You know why? Because my mind wasn't determining the show. It was, my, it was my internal condition. My mind, my soul... Right? My thought process, it was consuming. I needed relief so bad that it didn't matter. No matter how great the necessity or the wish. 
I could have my whole family on the poker table. I could have my whole life, my future, my past relationships and my ones that I haven't had yet. Promise of career, health, money, property, prestige, fame and fortune. I could have it all there. And, have, and, and know that I'm going to lose it. That if I put a drink in my body. I know it. Because I've done it. Maybe not to the degree I'm describing. But even as little as I had. It was a lot to me. In between bouts. Right? And have it all to lose. We all know. Children. Family. Everything. And for the sake of a foolish. Idiotic lie. That normal people. And non-alcoholics. Can't abide by, can't have, they don't have these, they live by their truth, right? We live by the lie, no matter how great the necessity or wish. And so I, I mean, that's what doomed me to this death sentence that we call alcoholism. I knew I was powerless. I knew I had lost the power to choose whether I was going to do it or not. It was absolutely prophesied, they use that word in there. Self-prophet, you know it's going to happen if you, put, if you put it in your mouth. The question is, how do I stay stopped? Not how do I stop. I told you last week, you want to stop, go slap a cop, but it's only for six months. <laughs> only six months, and when you come out, you're going to be so thirsty, it's unbelievable. Six months of thinking and boiling about all that garbage that we carried into jail internally. And then we're surrounded by a bunch of, you know, not so nice people sometimes. Everybody in jail is self-centered and selfish. They want, listen, the only thing in the universe that matters is their universe, my universe, right? So the question is not how do I stop? It's how do I stay stopped? And when we... And what Bill and Bob had written down here was was critical for us to concede. See, the, the, the doctor's opinion, there's a solution, more about alcoholism, seeing it played out in Bill's story, is should bring us to certain conclusions that we can emphatically say are absolute, based on the information they give us. I don't need to hear a speaker say it. I don't need to go to 5,000 speaker meetings to understand if I'm powerless or not. I just got to look over my shoulder into my past. And marry it to the information that I'm reading through this book. And it'll become crystal clear. I suppose I could lie to myself about it. But that just means I want to drink. Doesn't mean I don't want to drink. Right? So, the doctor's opinion, physical and mental. And then we see how the physical and mental, through this internal condition that we, that we build. Right? In the insidious lie that ensues. We're going to talk about that more. He, Dr. Silkworth just mentioned it briefly. Spell out this death sentence. It's not if we're going to die of it. It's when we're going to die of it. Got it? Unless. Unless, in the universe, somebody came up with a solution. Came up with a program of action where we could go from who we are, I'll just say it's the caterpillar, to a butterfly, complete transformation, complete conversion, complete uh, profound and unbelievable alteration, right? We go in one way, 
And through a gradual experience of knowledge, education, learning, and coming to some conclusions and doing a little work, we're able to say, I'm an alcoholic and know exactly what that means. We can stand in our skin and say, I am powerless over alcohol and know exactly what that means. That I've got a physical allergy to alcohol. That when I put it in, I can't stop or moderate. This overwhelming compulsion to drink ensues upon the first like tongue-to-booze sensation. And I can't stop. And usually, if you're in the latter stages of it, you're going to end up, I mean, this is where I was. I, w- I ended up, without a doubt, always in detox. The only other place that I could have gone, except for the grace of God, right, was dead. Somebody was either going to kill me, or I was going to take myself out. And that's kind of where I had gotten to. So, the, the, the mental obsession, Dr. Silkworth briefly acknowledges it. He didn't really know a lot about the solution, but he knew the mind was affected. He said this. Why do we drink? We drink for effect. Of course we drink for effect. But I was thinking in a delusional way. I was thinking, I'm drinking because I need to relax. Or I'm drinking because I want to talk to her. I'm drinking because I want to be successful at that job. I'm drinking so I can get that job interview. Nail it. Right? That wasn't why I was drinking. Truth be known, that's what I conned myself into believing. Right? But the truth was I was trying to overcome a uh, craving that I couldn't overcome. See, I didn't know that when I put it in just for a little relief, it was going to end up in oblivion. I didn't know that. But it always did. But not in my mind, right? It says that uh, to us, our lives go this way. It says we get to the place where we can't differentiate the truth from the false. We can't drink saying to myself, I'm a real alcoholic and I'm gonna, I know I'm going to lose everything and you know, that's why I need a drink. Why would you do that? Right? I've got to lie to myself in order to put a drink into my body. Right? It says, to us and me, our al- alcoholic life seems the only normal one. We become restless, irritable, and discontented. This is the undrunk nature of alcoholism. This is without even putting alcohol into my body. I am, I am coming out of my skin and dying for relief. And I don't care what I stand to lose, even though my mind says, God, you don't want to lose everything. Let's just do a little tonight and we'll stop. The, you know, that was, the, that was the, the way it played itself out. These three things, restlessness, irritability and discontentedness they talk about this nervous condition in bill's story that or in uh there and and more about alcoholism about everybody they talked about had this nervous condition in the morning right? that's why we went to the hospital i have a nervous condition imagine doing that today i don't think that would work but back then every story you read says i had a slight nervous you know they were talking about them and they, yeah he came in with a slight nervous condition came in to quiet his nerves like yeah of course we did. Everybody had that, didn't they? I know when I woke up in the morning, I had more than a nerve problem. I was sick. I was, I was, it was a mess. I'd, I'd come to at 5 a.m. 
where I should have slept for three days, madly searching for the bottle that I had hidden. I hid it for myself. Why would I do that? And I live by myself. People, that's certifiably insane. That'll, that's enough to get you if, you, if you, if you whisper it to the wrong person, you're going into an insane asylum. They're going to lock you up, right? They did back in the day. Then they drill a hole in the side of their head and hope to suck out the bad part called the lobotomy or shock you into a new universe, right? This is, this is no game. It's absolutely certain. And look what it says. Look what he says here. So we're restless, irritable, discontent in a undrunk state, but we can always sense the ease and comfort, and that's it. That's what we've been looking for forever. Look what, that's what I've been looking for before I ever took a drink. I never felt ease and comfort in my constitution within me. It says the sense of ease and comfort, which comes at once by taking a few drinks. Drinks we see other people take them without danger, with, with impunity, right? After we have succumbed or given in, to the desire, so they're saying the desire comes first, and then we, then we actually physically put it in, right? Succumbing to the desire, so allergy from the, from the obsession, right? It says, as so many do, they pass through the stages, well-known stages of, of a spree binge or, or, or whatever, right? Emerging remorseful. With a firm resolution not to drink it. I know a lot of people in here have probably been through treatment. I've been through treatment. I mean, that's the battle cry, isn't it? I'll never do that stuff again. Oh, no, man. You know, like, like they'll acknowledge they were an idiot for even doing it in the first place. But that there's no way they could ever do it again. That's an alcoholic mind. That's a delusional mind. That's not spoken out of factual evidence. Right? So... This is probably the most important piece about this doctor's opinion. It says this is repeated over and over. Detox, retox. Right? Detox, retox. The problem was something was missing. And I'm going to read it right here. He knew it. He says this is repeated over and over unless this person can experience an entire psychic change. That means transformation. That means profound reaction to my things in life. Right? Complete, complete caterpillar to the butterfly effect. Conversion. It's repeated over and over unless this person can experience an entire psychic change. There's very little hope of recovery. Doesn't that explain the rodeo? Oh my God. Right? It's absolutely certain. This was my story. This was my experience for decades. And I didn't have to think about it. I didn't have to like, like somebody said it to me, like you really need to think about what they're talking about. I don't need to think about it. You do it for 20 years, it's like burned into your brain, right? What it did do is have me go, God, how do I get me one of those? The problem was stopping. This was never sought, ever. You couldn't tell me anything. I pick and choose my way through this thing. I would say, I'll do that. But I'm going to go over here because they got girls over there. Or I'm going to go to that meeting because that the speaker meeting and I get lost in that and, and they got girls. That, that was my attitude. That was my come from. 
I never sought to change my life. I never sought to change my thinking. See, I thought that if I changed my actions, that my thinking would change. Do you know that's an impossibility? It probably wouldn't hurt to try. But it says a good code of morals and ideals is, is not enough to keep us stopped. Right? So, my thinking, I had, I had to go through this thing. Right? I had to change the way I thought because... My thinking, my, sh- my life, my past, everybody's past in here is nothing more than a snapshot of your thinking. As the mind goeth, so the body follows. I would think, I would feel based on that thought. I would have an emotion based on the, on the thought. I would feel, and I, so I would think, I would feel, I would act based on the emotion, and I'd get a result. My sponsor, John, says, well, how do you like those results you've been getting, pal? He said, you know, some Joe, he says, with all your ability, talent, and skills in the realm of recovery, family, intimate relationships, being an authentic man rather than an imposter, all your ability, talent, and skills, Let's just take a look at what you've gotten with that. Let's just let's lay it out there. He asked me when I first met him, he says, take out all the money you have from your pockets. I was a little insulted. That's not as personal, isn't it? I had 77 cents in my pocket. He says, Joe, he says, I hate to tell you this, but that's exactly what you're committed to having in your pocket. It's the same way I approach recovery. How long have you been sober this time, Joe? And over and over. Because that's exactly what I was committed to. I would pick, choose my way through this, and they say half measures avail you nothing. I say that avails you a lot of pain, because you're certain to get pain from it. And holding on to those old ideas and attitudes that were my dominant spot in my mind. So, I wasn't, Having bad fortune, I wasn't having bad, you know, karma. I wasn't having, I was getting exactly what I was committed to getting, right? So, the the thing about this threefold disease that people mention, that it's mental, physical, and spiritual, well, there's a lot of people that grow up and get a spiritual understanding of life. They have, you know, parents that are very strict, and, you know, they, you, you get brought up knowing all about God, right? You know, I mean, you, you get brought up with that, uh, I did, right? But I've never seen one spiritual person become an alcoholic because they were spiritual, ever. But I've seen a lot of alcoholics that come in the doors of AA, right? That absolutely lost everything that they had conviction about as far as spirituality as a result of alcoholism, right? So what it does is the allergy and the obsession result in spiritual bankruptcy because I become such a monster when I'm in that life. I hurt everybody. I'm not thinking about anybody. I'm thinking about me. Everything's about my world. What is my payoff going to be for even knowing you, right? So, a lot to think about. It says, uh, 
in there's a solution. It says, by the way, it says in the beginning of our second reader, which is nothing more than a uh, an aid to the big book to help us understand, you know, different parts of it and context and things of that nature. I say, you know, this and any any reading that you can do um, will broaden your understanding. There's a big book study that happens to be coming up next week. And if you've never been to it, you are missing a lot. By the way, you all out there in the universe, if you've never been to a big book stu- uh, seminar, Brian H. and Pat R., who've been doing it for years now, right? Before it was Joe and Charlie, Willie B. and my sponsor, John. They're the ones that put it on. They were the original Paul Revere group that Wesley Parrish had put together to carry the message of the book to South Florida. And boy, I tell you what, we have a great following and a great uh, we have a great uh, recovery fellowship down here that is grounded in this in this book, and that's refreshing. Right. So next week, I think it's just a weekend, Saturday and Sunday. I don't know, Michael. We probably been, I've probably been to twenty of them. I, I mean, you know, this is for for a long time, and uh, you never get disappointed. You always walk out of that seminar filled to the brim with spirituality, confidence, truth, and fellowship, it, love. It's just, it's an amazing thing. Anything that you can do to walk out of a, that much better than when you came in? Good Lord. I, I would avoid stuff like that. I'd just go drink. So, anyway, that, uh, you can get on Zoom. If you, if you uh, need information on that, you can get a hold of Michael or myself. Um, and we'll give you that. We'll get that information to you. If you're zooming in, we can do a broadcast on uh, email or something. So, but you know, the best way to do it is go to bigbookseminar.org. Right, that's the best source. So now, this twelve and twelve. How's my time doing there, timekeeper? Okay. You tell me what's the big boss say back there. Okay. So it says this in the beginning of the 12 and 12. It says, because this book, and I hold up part of my big book because I only have, it's in sections. <laughs> I haven't had it that long either. Um, it says, because this basic, because this uh, book has become our basic text, book of instruction, tells us right up front. This is not a, like a nice read or a novel or you know a short story, a bunch of stories. No. It is a book of instruction. That's what a textbook is. We've all had them. You know, you want to get, you know, become a math major, you got to take basic math. Well, that's in the instruction manual, right? And usually instructions are laid out that when you embark on that book of instruction, that you will definitely be able to have a completely different understanding once you get to the end of it. That's the goal. It's to teach you things that you don't know. So you can get to what you do know and apply it in your life. That way, if a textbook is about a job, you'll be able to be much better situated to get that job. If you're going to recover from the disease of alcoholism, a fatal malady certain to kill you, this book of instruction is the way out. We call it our lifeboat, don't we? It's our lifeboat. And we're all in it together. Right? And there's no... Bystanders, everybody's paddling. 
for life. Okay? So it says, this has become the basic text of our society and has uh, helped such a large n- number of alcoholic men and women to recovery. There exists a strong sentiment against any radical changes. We change the stories to perhaps reach other people. But it says this. This is, uh, that's in the preface. This is before the preface. And you can take it to the bank. I'm sorry. <laughs> Both the same size. <laughs> well, I don't even see that page in there. But it says this. That uh, the 12 steps are spiritual principles, right? And uh, that if when practiced as a way of life, so it's a design, isn't it? It's kind of like we insert, we implement the design. We don't just read it and done with it. What they're encouraging us to do, and they say, well, look, if you want that spiritual awakening, that transformation, that will shift that conversation from, ah, remember what it did for me, I need it, to, oh my God, Remember what it did to me, because you will have thoughts to medicate, all right? But it will—you'll recoil from it like a hot flame. Um, says that which, if practice is designed, the the principle, spiritual principles behind each of these steps. To step two is hope. Step one, we all know what that is, right? Honesty. That if I can concede to my innermost self, that is the first step in this thing. That's the first thing that we and we we not just. Come to, come to uh, uh, acknowledge that truth here, we acknowledge it everywhere, right? That honesty is the role I'm going to engage in from this point forward. Because I know what being a habitual liar got me. Unbelievable consequences, right? So we incorporate honesty into our life. When we do that, guess what? We got to stop being dishonest. They can't coexist Spiritual principles and selfish, self-centered principles cannot coexist in a transparent way, right? So the, 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 the change becomes being honest, acknowledging at least this first. We'll talk about all the other stuff in a few more steps down the road, right? And if I can do that, I've implemented the first part of this design, which is honesty, and so on and so on, Right? It'll be a lot easier being honest. We can, we can really, that's our starting point. So it says these, these, the, the book, this book is a set of spiritual principles, which if practiced as a way of life, can not only expel the obsession to drink, imagine that, expel the lie, expel the obsession to drink, but enable the sufferer to become happily and usefully all. Oh my God. There's not one of us not one of us that felt whole when we got here. It's impossible when you're an alcoholic. We get fractured in a thousand pieces. And there's no way that we can conduct ourselves in society without putting a facade up, putting a, a, a masquerade up. Right? So, yeah, that's what that says. So, in this first bit of information... We obviously know we're powerless, but where do we find this power? Where do we find this power, this entire psychic change, a.k.a. spiritual experience? Where's the source for that? Right? Well, first I have to come to some conclusions, and the first one is that I'm truly powerless. 
right? The second one is, is that I'm an alcoholic and couldn't manage my own thinking. I know it doesn't say that, but it does say that. I can't manage my own life. Well, if I can't manage my life, obviously my thinker's broken. Because I think about everything before I do it. Everything. All the shortcuts I want to take, the ways I'm going to get over on you, the way I'm going to game you, and I'm going to get what it is I want. And if I can't, next, throw you away like a piece of garbage. Right? So if I can't, if I, if I come to the conclusion of step two, we hear it all the time and how it works. Everybody reads how, well, most people do. We read it when we get to the fifth chapter in a book study. And we'll talk about that when we get there. Right? But if I'm going to concede that I'm an alcoholic and can't manage my thinking, and I take that information from the doctor's opinion, and I, I, I come to that conclusion, I'm absolutely powerless and I suffer from this obsession... And we can, can, we can absolutely agree that my, my thinking was unmanageable because I, I got a picture of it. It's my life, my past. And then it says, see, that God could and would, not could and might, not should and probably doesn't. No, it says he could and he would. For those who honestly sought, that's the condition. That's the condition, isn't it? There's always promises in the big book, but they always have a condition behind them. You can get it, but you won't get it for nothing. You won't get it for non-participation. You have to engage. You have to, you have to participate. You've got to be in the game here. right? I was dialed into WSFN. That was my frequency. That was that magical frequency that goes through the air like they come into a radio. But I never could change the channel. My thinking was entrenched in WSFN. That was wanting something for nothing all, most of my life. I always wanted something for nothing. I wanted the maximum return with the minimum effort, the minimum input. That was me. So, he has come to all who have earnestly sought. What does that mean, earnestly sought? That means with your whole heart, with devotion, Probably need to be obedient. Probably need to be responsible to do the extra. Probably need to be accountable to somebody. I've got to be able to liberate my mind in truth. And I don't, I'm not the best person to do it by myself. Right? It takes discipline. All the things that I'm going to do with my sponsor is going to take those things. But God, if I'm doing it with my sponsor and I'm engaged in a step process, of which was divinely inspired through a whole host of different times, right? And I'm really sincere about it. I want it with all my heart. He will come to me, and he has come to me. We're going to talk more about it when we get to we agnostics. But we're going to drive this point home before, we're, so we're clear that not only do we suffer in a physical way, but the, how does that mental thing play out? How are we doomed because that's what dooms us. My mind. So if we're, if we're able to concede these things, we're going to move on next week. But in this whole first four-ish meetings, right? We're going to do everything that we've got to do in order to make a, an effective decision that will change your destiny. It will change your destiny. It will change the lives of all the people that you know's destiny. 
and the world would be a better place. Thank you. All right, everybody, thank Joe B. for sharing. And uh, can we have the secretary report? Hello, everyone, again. I am Joey, recovered alcoholic secretary. Uh, in keeping with the seventh tradition, which states that every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, the baskets are now going around. The baskets are going around in here, but out there, for all you uh, Zoom people or people that don't have cash, there's a new way to do it. God bless the internet, and um, yeah, so just go to aa.org, um, follow the link there. You can give to AA directly um, via the interwebs, credit card, and all those sources of virtual payment. Um, uh, AA is hurting um, in the COVID era, and um, they could definitely use it. Um, they've been using their prudent reserves to get by, so please go give to the program that has given us so much. Thank you. All right. Now um, I've asked my good friend and comrade in recovery, James, to read the recovered statement. James, recovered alcoholic. Uh, recovered. We are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered but not cured. That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The uh, allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for our lifetime. But we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in the body. We are now sane where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. (laughs) All right. um, 1940-style Big Book Sponsorship, from the forward to the second edition, Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, come to believe, and experience is that God has not changed over time, and neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75-plus percent success rate. Um, At this time, I'm going to ask a show of hands of all you recovered alcoholics. Beautiful. Um, Now, at this time, if anyone in here or in the Zoom slash Facebook world would need a sponsor, um, pop your hands up. All right. Uh, Anyone in Zoom, you see hands Recovered alcoholics, go give them a hey, how you doing? And um, come together. You guys can get together with, and get back to relationship with God. Sorry. Butchered that. You guys get it. You, anyway, Joe said it beautifully. Um, all right. Please join us on Monday night's Big Book Study Meeting. It's a great time. We got old Bill. We got um, Chris. Or no, excuse me. Ryan's doing traditions. Uh, Mike Chase, as always, where the Big Book comes alive, fellowships, at 6.30 for a Hey, How You Doing hour. Um, and Big Book Study meeting starts at 7.15. Additionally, um, pop by your local intergroups. Um, say hello to them or go online to your local intergroups. 
um, to get some CDs, mugs, large room, big books, little red books, big book dictionaries to make you the best sponsor ever. Those are for sale. We meet every Thursday here. Start. Uh, we meet every Thursday starting promptly at 7.15. Fellowship again, 6.30. We ask you to be courteous and ready to begin at the sound of the bells. Thank you. See you next week. Thank you. Um, okay. Uh, I'd like to announce we have tonight's session and all the past speakers' podcasts online for free at alcoholicsandgod.org. I'd like to invite everyone to our Monday night big book study. And those who wish to thank tonight's speaker, please line up down center aisle. Uh, let's, let's close with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day the bread and forgive us our trespassers as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from evil. For that is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go. Thanks. Mm-hmm. 
twist and turn each way Flowers blooming all the time outside my door Never before I had to change everything to realize That today is the best day of my life Cause this broken man I traveled far and wide Through the great divide Through his own heart, yeah Just about to start. So I face each day in a brand new way. Show up and plug in my guitar. And I play my songs. And people sing along. And stomp their feet and raise their arms. And here in this moment that we share. song is. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye. I think you know this one, don't you?
Yeah.